Reel on Reels, Episode 8, Halloween, Campless Campiness. Hey everybody, welcome to Reel on Reels. I'm Rob. And I'm Jeremiah. And today we are talking about which film, Jeremiah? Well, they should already know based on the day of the year. Why? The only of day course. of the year. It is Halloween. And Jeremiah here has never seen the original 1978 film. Yeah, before like, what, an hour ago? I had never seen this movie. Yeah. Uh, I'd only seen, I'd seen little bits of it here and there. The original plan was to project it onto your house. Yeah, that, that, Uh, it it got. it's too cold. It's been a cold October. Pretty cold. Yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty cold. (laughs) It's not normally this cold this early. So that kind of fell through. I don't think, even a fire pit probably would not have, uh staved off the cold quite enough i don't think and it just like got done raining so anyway enough about the weather who cares about the weather this isn't Um, a weather show (laughs) of course it's not jeremiah it's a film show (laughs) (laughs) so uh tell us a little bit about oh yeah and before we start of course i mean it wouldn't be real on reels without one of us getting ahead of ourselves that's true so after our discussion on halloween we will be just we'll be playing a game familiar game called bridges where we must connect actors and directors and whatever to jeff bridges and if we don't we don't get the points the all-important points the points that are recorded in the official ledger yep and uh we well we promise the ledger will make an appearance we we get emails all the time asking that the ledger be in every episode. So far, we've we've met those demands. We're just trying to give the people what they want. Yeah. So, do you want to tell us a little bit about Halloween? Yeah, so Halloween is the original slasher film, at yeah. least as, you know, it's remembered that way. There are probably some before it that were, that could probably be in that put in that genre, but this is the one that made the genre into something respectable. Right. Like it really made it um, high art, um, and it's been imitated countless times. Oh yeah! I mean, I I've seen so many of the imitations of this movie that now that I'm watching, I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Like it's almost, I think it 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 goes a long way toward diluting the impact of it um, when you've already seen so many ripoffs. Yeah, um, well, that's true because this is the one that started that. I mean, what? Yeah. Yeah, the formula of this movie is just very simple. It's a guy, a knife-wielding maniac, going around murdering teenagers. In a William Shatner mask. Yeah, a William Shatner mask that was only slightly altered. Right. (laughs) And they were thinking about using like a like a much creepier like clown mask. Mm. And they just they just thought the the messed up William Shatner mask was was scarier. Oh yeah, cost them like it a is. dollar. It is. Um, and this is written and directed by John Carpenter. Oh, of course, before John we, Carpenter. Yeah. Uh, before we really begin, and um, of course, John Carpenter did the score himself. Oh, yeah. The this is it's iconic. Right, and we should 
get just out of off right out the gate it's important to note that this was a very low budget independent film yeah it was it cost like 300,000 bucks and you know it, it literally when it came out it was the most successful independent film ever made it made like 47 million i think in the mm. box office numbers for uh for just the united states it's like get out right right and uh yeah, that Get Out is very much a, a very a recent um, analog of it for sure. Um, and actually, one of my f- favorite horror movies in recent years, I think I've even mentioned this on the show before, was um, It Follows. Mm. And I saw so much influence of Halloween, in that it one you know now that I've seen Halloween, I see so much of the influence sure. that that had on It Follows in the oh, music yeah. and the whole trope of like the the slow murderer, you yeah. know. Because it follows, it's very much. I mean, that movie, it, it's almost like they're just. It's like a, it's like a loving tribute, you know, yeah. to, to Halloween, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Yeah, and I think that's just. I think that's simply because it's such a genre-defining movie that pretty much every movie is going to have every horror movie is going to have that influence. Um, at, at, in some way shape or form yeah i think um, just one of those cornerstones just about every modern i guess you could say horror film or like you know 2000s maybe even every 90s horror film um there'd be no scream if it wasn't for halloween right yeah almost any horror film i could think of was either like a halloween influenced or like texas chainsaw massacre influenced Mm. Which one came so. out first, Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Halloween? Oh my gosh, I should have looked that up before. I think it's but Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I can figure that out in short order. But it's, um, yeah, those two movies, and there's really only a few others that are on that level of influence. Um, of course, Psycho was a big influence sure. on this yeah. movie. Yeah. I um, mean, yeah, the doctor you were mentioning. Right. His name is taken from Psycho. Right. And Jamie Lee Curtis's mom played the woman that was murdered in the opening scene of Psycho, the shower scene. Right. Yeah. Um, Janet Lee. Janet Lee. Was her name. Uh, the original Ch- Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out in 1974, so that came out even earlier. Yeah. Four years earlier. This came out in 78. It, so. In my opinion, uh, it's really hard to say, but. I'd have to say Texas Chainsaw Massacre might be scarier for my money. Um, yeah, you know, honestly, for me, there's no contest. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is scarier. Yeah, it's yeah, it's visceral. <laughs> it's well, I mean, this one's visceral, but this one's just Texas Chainsaw Massacre is like dirty. It's like grindhouse horror, you know, and everything by Rob Zombie and. So many other horror directors, right. um, you know, the um, the Robert Rodriguez's and the the Eli Roth's of the world. I mean, they're so influenced by Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Toby Hooper is an amazing, amazing horror director. We need to do. Yeah, we should probably do Texas Chainsaw Massacre at some point. Yeah. Um, so do you want to get into like a little bit what the story's about? Yeah. So basically this kid. Who's like what six years old? I want to say at the beginning. Like that, There's yeah. a a classic intro here where you're seeing everything from the f- point of view of this kid, mm-hmm. and it's 
he's like outside of his house looking in for some reason mm. at the beginning, which is very creepy. And it's um, his older sister is with her boyfriend and they go up to uh, their bedroom to do what they're not supposed to be doing when their parents aren't around. Have sexual intercourse. <laughs> Something like that. And uh, <laughs> if you can call it that, it takes like a minute. And then uh, so the... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But the kid grabs a knife and um, he, you know, he sees the, his sister smooching on her boyfriend and whatnot. And he, she, she sees him leave. And so he goes up to the bedroom and um, stabs her to death. Yeah. And so basically he wants to butcher's knife. Yeah. This movie is about him breaking out of the little boy. Right, the little boy Michael Myers breaking out of the insane asylum or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Fifteen years later, and the doctor, Doctor Loomis, is chasing him because he's a psychiatrist and he knows how dangerous Michael Myers yeah. really is. Played by what he's Do- capable of. Right, um, Sam Loomis is played by Donald Pleasance, which yeah. was the most credentialed, oldest, and highest paid person involved with this movie and most skilled yeah because it was it was a movie made by a bunch of kids basically right. i mean jamie lee curtis i think towards the end of this movie starts putting in a good performance after you know during like when she's being chased right she was she did a good job in that in that role right uh, and we can get into more that yeah it was kind of can get more in depth than that but yeah basically just to finish out the plot um michael myers comes back to his hometown he goes back into his old old house that is now being uh, put up for sale by um, uh, Julie's Ju- Jamie Lee Curtis's character is uh, or Laurie. That's right. Laurie. Sorry, um, by Laurie's dad. Who uh, I, just to get this out of the way, Laurie is actually Michael Myers' sister, right? Like he she right. was just right. a baby at the time of the mm-hmm. murder. Yeah. Okay. So, so you know, this is her little brother that killed her older sister, um, and though. Is it ever really explained in there? In Halloween, the first one that that's his bro- that's their that the, that their siblings. I don't think it's actually stated. That's why, like, when this came up during the movie, he was like, "Oh yeah, that's his that's her brother." But I'm like, "Really?" Because maybe I the sequels revealed that. I haven't seen any of the Halloween movies, so this is kind of a an interesting um, sticking point because it's like I'm coming at this kind of fresh. Um, and so it's possible that, cause I'm pretty sure that the movie doesn't make that clear. Cause it does say that, uh, Julie, Jamie Lee Curtis's character, her father is selling the Myers house, the old Myers house. It's this creepy house that all the kids avoid and it's got broken windows and stuff. And this is where that, the murder happened where the kid killed his older sister. So that's what I'm not completely clear on. So. Yeah, um, their relationship as siblings wasn't explained until the second film. Interesting, okay. Um, and I guess in the new, the 2018 soft reboot, written by Danny McBride, <clears throat> written by Danny McBride and directed by David Gordon Green, he, they removed that sibling connection. That's interesting. Because I feel like that makes the story more... more... I don't know. Um, it just—I don't know. There's something about that connection that makes it seem more personal, I guess. Right. I don't know. I think that would add something to it. <clears throat> but I guess that wasn't a part of the original story then. Yeah. 
which it may, I mean, his name is Michael Myers. Her name is Lori Stroud. So, or Strode. Oh, that makes sense. So yeah. I'm, not, I'm not really sure how they made that connection. I'll have to watch. It's been so long since I've seen the second one. Oh, okay. Second one is good. I do like it. Um, but the other sequels are whatever. <laughs> the Rob Zombie remakes, not bad. Yeah. In my opinion. Um, I don't know. It, it makes me wonder then how he chose his targets in this movie. Like, what would you have any insights or thoughts about that? Like, why, why he picked the people he picked to murder? I mean, I know that the friend, the bitchy friend, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think Annie is her name in the movie, played by um, Nancy Loomis, which wasn't her real name, but she liked that name because of Psycho, actually. Um, but she yells something out to him when he's driving by them. Earlier on in the movie, driving by them in a stolen car. Oh, yeah. He steals a car to escape the insane asylum. Right. And. Yeah. And he's like speeding down the road and she goes, hey, speed kills. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and he stops. Yeah. This movie is like. Uh, it's way. It's. I haven't seen this in a while. And it's way more camp. It's way campier than I thought it was going to be. Or it's way campier than I remember it. It is a little bit campy. Yeah. The acting. Some of it is questionable <laughs> it's a very low budget movie from 1978 right. so yeah but yeah i don't i thought it was more i thought it was more well acted than it is yeah you probably remember it being more well acted as a kid just because you you didn't focus as much on that probably right um but yeah i mean i, th- I think it gets it's reputation from really John Carpenter's direction. Honestly, just so much of the, so much of the many decisions he made. A lot of it was economical though. Like a lot of it was, you know, he spent like half the budget just on cameras because he wanted it to be, he wanted to have that really wide scope. Right. You know, he wanted to have a very wide screen and, and he really uses all of that. Like there's a lot of like stuff, like peripheral kind of stuff going mm-hmm. on. He really pays attention to the whole frame right. and how the whole thing is staged and the lighting and you are always just kind of like, there's always, it always seems, feels like there's something lurking off screen. Yeah. It's, this is like one of the creepier horror movies. Yeah. There's very Especially little blood. Yeah. I love that about it. Yeah. It's just mostly atmosphere. And, and it mostly... doesn't, it doesn't really have a lot of jump scares either. Yeah. Not really. It's mostly atmospheric. Yeah. Um, it's and horror. And it's, that's, uh, that's Giving, hard to do. Letting the audience know more than the characters know. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Formula for horror. Right, yeah. Um and that's used a lot in this. You know, a lot of the characters are oblivious to what's going on around them. They don't see Michael Myers in the window behind them and they don't hear him stalking yeah. up behind them. And that's them. a very film centric kind of approach to horror too because in the more literary sense, like it's usually from the perspective of some protagonist who's like discovering things you yeah. know like that's very much the lovecraftian approach to it this is almost the opposite it's like something is watching you from the outside and and the audience isn't inside the protagonist's head it's in, almost more inside the killer's head right which yeah, i mean the first thing we see is in, literally right. inside the killer's head yeah that's really interesting um yeah and the part when he uh finds that girl's boyfriend and chokes like chokes him and holds him up against the closet oh yeah yeah stabs him and like pins him against the wall with his knife i mean it's brutal yeah 
there's a lot of brutal horror in this, but it's like very understated. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Understated. Cause it doesn't need to be, you know, I mean, we all know the genre has, has gone to the extreme, Yeah, (laughs) you know, gore porn. Yeah. It's gotten, it's kind of like heavy metal. Like it's always trying to up itself, one up itself. Um, but yeah, this was uh, a time when you didn't need to try and push the envelope too much. Um, just having, just suggesting a lot of things was enough. Yeah. And I, I think that makes Michael Myers the scariest slasher villain. Yeah, I think... He's scarier than Freddy. He's scarier than Jason. He's just scary in his serenity. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't scream. He doesn't um, grunt. He doesn't make a noise. He breathes heavily. Right. Yeah. While he's strangling you to death and finishing you off with a knife. Yeah. And, and that's really, um, that's made very clear by the, by Sam Loomis, um, the, the psychologist played by Donald Pleasance. He, he has all these little asides in the movie, these little yeah. speeches kind of. And talking, talking with the cop. Yeah. The, the cop that was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if this guy's as dangerous as you think he is. While while his daughter is being murdered. Right. <laughs> which he somehow doesn't know about. Yeah. Um yeah, and so he's he's always kind of like, you know, he's kind of watching and waiting for something to happen, just watching the houses and Michael is just being so quiet and he doesn't know where he is. So it's just he doesn't he doesn't know what's going on while he's killing all these people. Mm. He ends up murdering uh what is it? He uh one of um he he murders that bitchy friend first. Right. <laughs> so I think that's how he kind of chose his targets. He was just like, oh, okay, I'll just go after this her. This is the one that yelled at me. Right. And he already knew about, well, he was, because he went back to his old house and um, Jamie Lee Curtis's dad is selling the house. So she comes up to it to leave the key so people can look at it. And he sees her because he's inside the house. It's a really creepy scene. Hmm. Um, so he knows about her. So he's just following these, these women. He's just like these high school girls. And he's just like, okay, I'll just, uh, kind of stalk them quietly and murder them when I'm, when that opportunity presents itself. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, he even puts the, the tombstone from his, his older sister that he murdered her grave. He takes the tombstone and puts it in the bed of the, the girl and throws her friend in the closet and her boyfriend's hanging from the ceiling and yeah yeah and one thing i totally forgot about this movie again was that michael myers gets his mask taken off Mm -hmm. i did i totally forgot about that yeah and the actor they didn't do any makeup or anything to that actor who uh who was wearing the mask at that time because like six different people played Michael Myers in this movie. Mm. It was just whoever was on set who could be, could throw on the mask in the jumpsuit. Gotcha. They pl- played Michael Myers. Like John Carpenter, Car- Carpenter himself even played, played him in some scenes. Oh really? Yeah. And so he was just, they didn't actually hire an actor. Like a, there's so many decisions for this movie were made just for economical reasons. Yeah. Like the fact that it was so dark, mm. there's very little light in the movie. That was just cause they couldn't afford a lot of lights. Um, of course it worked but mm. 
Yeah. You know, and there were, they had to make it look like fall because it was springtime in Los Angeles and they wanted it to look like fall time in Illinois. Yeah. So they had to <laughs> paint the, some fake leaves and throw them about. In the establishing shot of Haddonfield, Illinois, you can see the uh, infamous <laughs> Haddonfield, Illinois palm trees um, in the background. Illinois doesn't have palm trees. <laughs> oh, really? Illinois doesn't have palm trees? It does not. And we're we're Midwestern boys, so we know these things. Yeah, we're uh, we're smart. <laughs> so I'm trying to find uh, the information about that. Uh, oh, what, what were we talking about? Yeah, I would say that as far as independent movies go, this one was uh, pretty good. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to imagine doing a better job with that kind of money right <laughs> i mean you know like a quarter of a million that's like hardly anything for a feature film and it does look really good especially yeah. for 1978 i mean um yeah very good very high production values e- even though the actors like wore their own clothes or bought their own clothes <laughs> i mean and that's more authentic i think yeah that's true john carpenter doesn't know what high school girls want to wear that's a good point. And actually, he the the his screenwriter um or co-screenwriter or whatever, um I don't know her name off the top of my head, but she wrote the dialogue for all the girls, like oh, all the okay. female characters. So that was a good decision too, yeah. I think. Um you know, cuz there's kind of like the Jamie Lee Curtis's like virgin character and then there's right. the kind of bitchy girl and then there's the the slutty one and that kind of cliché even you you know even goes back to like Greece and like movies like that you know it's sort of just these these high school stereotypes and um it it works well although that that's a good segue into talking about some of the subtext here because John Carpenter himself has said that a lot of people got the got it wrong like they were there's this whole kind of cliche in slasher movie movies that like virginity makes you like immune or something like it's some sort of magical yeah. thing where the killer won't be able to get you. And he was saying kind of almost the opposite. Like it was the, there, there was a theme of kind of sexual repression, but that was what was causing the violence. That was like, you know, Mike, Michael himself, like he was, you know, um, he kills his sister. Um, and she's like, she's pretty much naked in the scene. So it's like, there's this, the, that theme coming through of like, yeah, the, but I mean it's also the other thing too because Jamie Lee Curtis is more alert in this movie because she's not with a boy. Right. And she's not constantly thinking about sex like her friends. Right. So I think it's it's just more subtle than that. Like it's not just you Well, know, I, I mean that element's still there. The element of like of just not because he made the movie doesn't mean that element's not there. Right. Just because he doesn't think it's there. No, he he did. I just think he, it was a little bit more nuanced than that. Like it was more yeah you're you know if you're just like obsessed with the opposite sex or something like he wanted her he wanted you to i guess like Lori. i mean obviously she's the hero like she's the one who it's like she's she's smart and she's alert and all these right. things and and she's like a good babysitter and, yeah she eventually fends off Michael right. Myers with the help of dr loomis right which i mean we should get the ending they what do they do knock them up they Dr. Loomis shoots him several times off a balcony. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when they go to look over the balcony, he's gone. 
<laughs> of course he doesn't die. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was, I, I had one more th- interesting thing to point out, which is that, um, John Carpenter wrote the music for this movie in like three days and oh, yeah. he wrote it, I guess probably he was using just like some simple like synthesizer or keyboard and there's just like some, there's a very simple melody that he wrote in five, four time, really weird time signature that he learned from his dad apparently. And he just uses that and like kind of variations of that and kind of like stacks tracks at times where it needs to be, the music needs to be fuller. And did you just, say, did you say it's a simple time signature? No, no. The, the music itself is simple. Oh, okay. It's just a say, few it's notes. It's really not. Like, yeah. Cause that, that time signature kind of gives it its eeriness. Oh, definitely. Definitely. But it's just the way that, he composes it it's it's at any given time it's like it's just a, a either like a single keyboard playing or like a f- couple right. of keyboards like it's what he was able to do with a few notes yeah exactly it's a very it's, minimal, minimalistic movie altogether very economical very minimalistic um and for the script that they wrote that just it hit every note perfectly sure um just it, it's just a very this very simple story yeah. of this pure purely evil um psychopath as the doctor loomis explains you know just he's just pure evil he Mm. you know there's that line the blackest eyes and um just a lot of he has those parts are really well written and really well acted yeah and they give uh they they just add even more dread like every time he gives one of these little speeches you're like oh man they're screwed and uh so um yeah it all just it all just everything comes together right now (laughs) it's just one of those moments where everything just kind of came together even though it was just like a bunch of kids running around trying to make a cheap movie yeah um so i mean out of 10 what would you give it then man um on rotten tomatoes you've got 89 from the audiences 93 from critics um i don't know i'm stalling because i'm trying to come up with I'm not sure if I want to give it just uh, the same kind of ratings that that the uh, critics are giving it. It's a 7.8 on IMDb. Give it what you would I, give it. I know. I'm trying to. That's your that's your responsibility. It is my responsibility. Um, I just am still kind of like in it, thinking about the experience because I just watched it. Um, I think that I would have to give it a nine. So not quite as high as the Rotten Tomatoes, but higher than um, IMDb. And um, I might even, I'm going to think about it some more. I might even give it a higher rating than that. Because I think, I think the only thing really that's holding me back is some of the poor acting. and Right. You know, it's just not, I don't know. I I was I wasn't blown away as much as I kind of thought I was going to be given the reputation of it. You were underwhelmed. Only slightly though. Only slightly. I'm still giving it a 9. I would give it an 8.5. Okay. So I guess I was more underwhelmed than you are. Yeah, I guess so. No, I just I think it's great and I think it's a mas- like a classic. It's a seminal movie. Right. Um, a masterpiece of slasher flicks. But as a on its merit as a film. Like I think 8. they're 
I think it's a fair. It's a good. It's not a. It's not a bad score by any means. Right, and a lot of it does. A lot of it does come down to the fact that this movie came out in 1978, and um, for that time, this was something very original and fresh. And yeah, it was. It, it was it's, underground. It might be the first like popcorn horror movie. Where it's kind of just... Well, I think people ate popcorn at a lot of horror <laughs> movies before this. Sure, but it's, uh, you know, there's that kind of like Sam Raimi genre of kind of like fun horror. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like it kind of goes in that direction a little bit. Because mm. um, it's like, it does have that, there's a lot of just like, um, there are scenes that are kind of like just bright and che- kind of cheery almost. Mm. Um, and there's even like a burst of light, like in the, in the kind of scary climactic scene. And, um, I just think there's something about that. There's something to the, the, like just the fun of the, of the film. There's like an energy to it. Yeah. Um, that doesn't quite ever get to the point where you just feel gross about it. Like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is why that movie's even scarier, but yeah, it's just, it's a different kind. It's, it's in a different category as a horror movie. It's it, it create it all kind of created its own category. Sure. Um, yeah. All right. Well, would you like to read some of these uh, audience and critic reviews on Rotten Tomatoes? Let's do it, Rob. All right. Well, Ron Pennington from the Hollywood Reporter says, Carpenter obviously knows the genre well and he builds a properly terrifying atmosphere through his well-paced direction (laughs) it's an effective entry for its attended market well yeah that's all true um josh larson of the sun public of sun publications says the kind of fright flick in which the plodding monster has his victim in his grasp and then inexplicably stabs the couch five feet to the right of her. <laughs> okay, I'm gl- this is a nice segue because there, <laughs> this movie does have some of those cliche, like, dumb horror it, movie it elements. Made those. <laughs> it created that. It's just, just, yeah, I guess <laughs> But so. it's still, yeah, I guess it's still, that, that doesn't excuse it. It's just like it people. kind of cheap. Yeah, people doing kind of stupid things. Right. Or like the fact that he has a really good opportunity to stab her and all he does is cut her shirt and like give her a slight little cut on her arm. Um, yeah, I can see where they're coming from with that. Yeah. And see, uh, Gary Arnold of the Washington Post says, since there is precious little character or plot development to pass the time between stalking sequences one tends to wish the killer would get on with it (laughs) i can't disagree with that well it's like a lot of slasher movies there's almost no character development and i for considering that it's only like an hour and a half movie um uh, and it focuses on the atmosphere, so I don't know. But I mean, I guess that's what you mean by popcorn flick, because it's just you don't have to worry about the characters, sure. you don't have to worry about the plot. It just you're right. watching people get murdered. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not trying to be a character study. It's trying yeah. to be a popcorn flick. Yeah, it's just trying to be a f- movie people can go to when they have a bloodlust that they can't fulfill, right? Because it's illegal in real life. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was a precursor to the Purge movies in a way. 
No. Let's look at some uh, user reviews. All right. I've got a good one here from a... Oh, don't say the names. This one right here uh, only gives it two stars. As someone who's only just watched this for the first time, I found it completely devoid of thrills, scares, tension, good acting, good characters. The score was good, though. Hmm. Thank you, Jack W., um, I, I think he's somebody who watched it very recently and um, probably didn't take the time to appreciate the historical significance. See, I don't know if that's really all that important when you're considering whether a movie is good or not. I think it's always important to know when it came out. I think that's always significant. I mean... This movie would not be, I mean, it just wouldn't be what it is if it came out like last year. I mean, you know what I mean? Like the fact that it was this really cheaply made independent movie from 1978 that spawned all these imitators, that is definitely relevant. You have to view it in that context, I think, to be fair. Otherwise, it's just... I mean, you're you're not, you're using totally different criteria to judge it. I think no, because you're not looking at other films in that context. If you're if you're you're, you're given preferential treatment to the the ridge, the ridge, the ridge. Um, mm. Reza R says one star. Terrible acting and non-existent gore. Yeah, I mean, it's entirely wrong. Their yeah. non-existent gore is correct, but that doesn't mean that's not hurt it. not a bad thing, right? The terrible acting, though. He's I agree with to an extent. All right. Well, that's what they have to say. Um, but just listen to what we have to say because that's what's important. Yeah. Um, would you like to play a game, Jeremiah? Oh, well, all right. I guess we've got time. (sighs) All right, let's do it. Bridges. All right. (laughs) And we're back. Let's play Bridges. You ready, Jeremiah? Let's play Bridges. All right. So in Bridges, uh, Jeremiah and I have each come up with five uh, people in film, actors, directors, etc. And we have to try to connect that person to Jeff Bridges. If we cannot do that, we don't get the point. If we do it, if we do it, <laughs> we get the point. It's that simple. Yeah. Those are the rules. And uh, you'll no- probably notice some cuts in this section because there might be some long pauses here because this is kind of a, a puzzly game, but we'll give you some uh, interesting connections regardless of whether or not we have the answer or not. Indeed. All right. So uh, I will ask you first, Jeremiah. Hit me, Rob. Your first one is Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson. Hmm. 
mentioned him before. Um, definitely somebody that we're going to have to get into in some greater depth in the future. All right. Director of Rushmore, Royal Tannenbaums, things like that. Trying to get my uh, trying to get my creative juices flowing. Yeah. By thinking about the movies he's made. <laughs> All right. So I got to connect Wes Anderson to Jeff Bridges. All right. And I've only got a minute, by the way. We didn't. Uh, I don't think we mentioned that. <laughs> oh yes. So Wes Anderson directed the Royal Tannenbaums, which has. Ben Stiller, who was in The Cable Guy with Jack Black. And Jack Black was in... Never a minute yet. Uh, I, I thought I had it. All right. You did not get that one. But one of the most efficient connections between Wes Anderson and Jeff Bridges is Wes Anderson directed and wrote... The Royal Tenenbaums, which starred Gwyneth Paltrow, who starred in Iron Man. Ah, uh, how did I not with get that? Jeff Bridges. Man, that would have been such an easy one. I totally forgot he was in Iron Man. Yeah, he's he's got a good, great role in that. That's one of my favorite roles of his, actually. Yeah. Ooh, my turn, my turn. All right, so I do not get the point. All right. Oh, before. We go to the next question. Before we get to the next question, do we have that ledger? The 530-page Reel on Reels score ledger that weighs approximately 5,000 pounds? <laughs> I've been trying to steadily like increase that? the weight, Jeremiah. Oh, did I take You have messed big... up the lore. <laughs> but yes, that very ledger. That's why the book is so big. We have so much lore. All right. So uh, before we keep going, what uh, is the current point standing? Current point standing is 31 for you and 30 for me. All right. And again, we have no idea what we're going to do with these points, but at some point we will do something with these points. Mark Pointedly. my words. Pointedly. Wow. Terrible. Okay. Let's move on with this game, Rob. So your first, <laughs> your first bridge attempt is Jack Black. Jack Black. Jack Black. Um, um, Jack Black was in Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny. Okay. He was in, which also had Ben Stiller. Who was in the Ben Stiller route didn't work for me. It's going to work for me. <laughs> Who was in Night at the Museum? No, I had it. <laughs> ben Stiller was in. Oh, no. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's losing it. Tick tock, tick tock. All right. What? What was the? Uh, what was the connection? <laughs> All right. So, um, a quick way of doing it is: Jack Black was in Anchorman with Christina Applegate. 
Christina Applegate was in Will, uh, Wild Bill in 1995, which had Jeff Bridges in it. Oh. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. Um, by the way, that what is that name of that app that we've been using for this? Uh, for it's the it's a Kev, it's the Six Degrees to Kevin Bacon app, basically. Yeah, I think it's, it's the Kevin Bacon Oracle or something. Yeah, the Kevin Bacon Oracle is the website, and there's an app yeah. just called Six Degrees. Yeah, and we typed in Jeff Bridges, and it helps give us some solutions in case one of us doesn't come up with one of the solutions. Yeah, and Jeff Back Jeff Bridges has been in so many movies that you can do most connections in just two connections, right? Two bridges. <laughs> but that's hard to do. Yeah. All right. So your second act or your second person is Steven Spielberg. Ooh, Steven Spielberg. Okay. I should be able to get this. Any self-respecting movie guru should be able to get this. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm doomed. Setting um, yourself up to fail. <laughs> setting yourself up to, up to look real bad. Okay. So Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg. Okay, Steven Spielberg directed Raiders of the Lost Ark with Harrison Ford, who was in uh, Fugitive with Tommy Lee Jones, who was in Men in Black with Will Smith, who was in Independence Day with Jeff Goldblum, who was in. Uh, uh, okay, I had I had it. What was it? I was gonna say <laughs> I just ran out of time, but I had uh, Jeff Goldblum was in Independence Day with, yeah, Jeff Goldblum, and then he was in uh, um, Jurassic Park. Oh wait, oh yeah, yeah, he was in. Uh, Jurassic Park with Samuel L. Jackson who was in Iron Man with Jeff Bridges. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, geez. All right. What's well, my second How many? Oh, that was like, what, six connections probably? That was like was barely lot. within the, <laughs> the limit. Okay. No, there's no limit. Oh, I think we should drop the limit. No limits for... It's not six degrees of Jeff, Jeff yeah. Bridges. It's just Bridges. This is yeah. our game. This is our game, people. Yeah. And we came up with this game. Yeah, we're suing the six degrees of Kevin Bacon people. Yeah, I mean it's clearly a very similar game, so yeah, not cool, not cool. They're getting a subpoena. Subpoena, subpoena. All right. <laughs> hey now. All right, uh, my turn to give yes. you one, I believe. Okay, Rob, your next actor is Charlie Sheen. Ooh, all right. Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen was in. Oh, I need to be looking at the clock. Charlie Sheen was in Ferris Bueller's Day Off with. Oh, yeah, he was. Matthew Broderick. Nice. Matthew Broderick was in The Cable Guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you you didn't get quite a minute there, but we'll we'll move on if you'd like. No, I did. Oh, did you? Not exactly a minute. Oh, okay. So what was the solution? Okay, so a simple solution to this one is that Charlie Sheen was in uh, Young Guns back in 88. And and Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland was in that movie too. And he was in uh, The Vanishing with Jeff Bridges from 1983. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Hit me with one, Rob. 
It's funny that this one's on the list. But your next actor is Ben Stiller. Oh, okay. A lot of cable references. All right. Okay, so uh, Ben Stiller was in Tropic Thunder with Steve Coogan, who was in Coffee and Cigarettes with Alfred Molina, who was in Spider-Man 2 with... Um, Tommy McGuire, who was in Sea Biscuit. <laughs> he's all he's all the way at Sea Biscuit. <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit far afield here, people. Oh, I'm trying to do my best. He's off course. Oh, I can't even remember other people who were in Sea Biscuit. So this is pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> you never go sea biscuit. <laughs> you never go full sea biscuit. <laughs> oh no. <coughs> oh. Wait. Ben Siller was in Tropic Thunder with Robert Downey Jr. who was in Iron Iron Man with Jeff Bridges. <laughs> yes. How did I not get that right off the bat? <laughs> That was such a good one to start with. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. Another answer. Did I get that within a minute? <laughs> you did. Yes, I got a point. Yep. Wait, did you get a point before? I did not. Okay. This is a hard game to get points in. Yeah, we it is. We followed this up with Point Dog Millionaire, which was a really easy way to get points. Um, it was fairly easy. Fairly easy. Easier than this. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so another solution to this would have been Ben Stiller was in The Night at the Museum, um, Secret of the Tomb. With Robert Williams, with Robin Williams, who was in The Fisher King, with oh okay, I didn't know Robin Williams is in that movie. Okay, interesting. Oh, and I didn't, I don't. You did connect uh, Steven Spielberg, didn't you? No, I don't think so. Oh, I forgot to give the solution to that one. Oh, okay. Um, Steven Spielberg had a cameo in Austin Powers and Goldmember, and so did Kevin Spacey. Oh. Kevin Spacey was in The Men Who Stare at Goats with Jeff Bridges. Right, he was also with them in K-Pax. <laughs> yep. Wow, interesting. Okay. Okay, so your next actor, Rob, is Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts. Okay, Julia Roberts was in Pretty Woman with Richard Gere. Richard Gere was in some Richard Gere movie. Um. <laughs> oh God! Never go Richard Gear. <laughs> Richard Gear. I'm so bad with Ju- Julia Roberts' movies. Like who starred in them with her? Oh yeah. Oh. I'm sympathetic. Julia Roberts was in Aaron Brockovich, which had somebody other other people in it. It did have other people. <laughs> and other people were in a movie with Jeff Bridges. And I'm I'm done. Uh, okay. So a possible solution is Julie Roberts was in Notting Hill in 1999. Uh, Clark Peters was in that movie. And he was also in K-Pax with Jeff Bridges. Hmm. Clark Peters, by the way, is on the show The Wire. 
He's also in the John Wick movie. Oh, okay. So I, I haven't seen either of those. Oh, my God. But those are both we pretty big. We have to big. do an episode on John Wick soon. Yeah, yeah. All right. Your next actor is Heath Ledger. All right, Heath Ledger. Um, and I'm not talking about our book. <laughs> uh, you're the worst. All right. Um, Heath Ledger to Jeff Bridges. Okay, we can do it. Heath Ledger was in Brokeback Mountain with Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal was in Donnie Darko with Maggie Gyllenhaal. Maggie Gyllenhaal was in Crazy Heart with Jeff Bridges. Boom! Damn. All right. Ding, ding, ding. Another solution was... Heath Ledger was in The Brothers Grimm with Matt Damon, who was in True Grit. Matt Damon. Yeah, who was in True Grit with Jeff Bridges. Oh, okay, wow. All right. Number four for me, sir. All right, your number four is a fun one. Kathy Griffin. Uh, <laughs> Kathy Griffin um, was in Pulp Fiction. Indeed. With Samuel L. Jackson, who was an Iron Iron Man, uh, with he, Jeff Bridges. Yeah, he was in an after credit scene in Iron Man. <laughs> but yes, that that counts. Yep. Hey, you use it as an answer. Don't complain now, <laughs> jerk. I know, right? Uh, yeah, it, I helped him out unwittingly. Another one, this is just kind of funny. Kathy Griffin was in It's Pat, which I know is a movie oh, that, yes. that you love. I love that movie. From 1994. It seems more recent than that, but it came on Another 94. movie that Quentin Tarantino had something to do with. <clears throat> oh, really? He did a rewrite of the script of that movie. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's an uncredited writer of It's Pat. Wow. That's, it's a terrible movie, but I just, you can't not it's, like it. It's hilarious. It's like, uh, I hate, I hate it for that, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, it's Pat has Kathy and Jimmy in it, and she's in the Fisher King. Oh, okay. So, there's that. All right, hit me. All right, so uh, my final actor for you is the one and only Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood. All right, that's a good one. It's a good one. He's in some good movies. Um, he's in some of my favorite movies, actually. He's in two of my movies that are like in my top five. But they're not because of Elijah Wood. It's just that he happens to be in them. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, to Elijah Wood. Uh, he, oh, geez. So Elijah Wood was in, okay, this shouldn't be too hard. Um, Elijah Wood was in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind with Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo, <laughs> Rob has already given me the look. Like he <laughs> This has been a very Marvel-heavy Bridges <laughs> yeah. episode. Uh, so he, we should have a rule where we can't go to the same movie at the end once it's already been said. Oh, that's actually probably a good rule. So after this, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, Mark Ruffalo <laughs> was in the Avengers with Mark Robert Downey Jr., who was in Iron Man uh, with Jeff Bridges. <laughs> God, I hate you. All right, I hate you so much. Uh, okay, another solution, which is my favorite solution. <laughs> I would have given you two points if you got this one. Oh, really? Elijah Wood was in Back to the Future Part 2. What? As a little kid. Uh, okay. He's the little kid that uh, 
gives Marty crap for playing the old school video game in the future. Oh, okay. That's a baby's toy. <laughs> um, I have to go back and watch that. Flea was in Back to the Future Part 2, the bass player of Red, Red okay. Hot Chili Peppers. Okay. Who, and he was in The Big Lebowski <coughs> with Jeff Bridges. Who did he play in The Big Lebowski? He played one of the Nihilists. What? I never yeah. noticed that. Yep. Wow. Huh. Flea's had a lot of good roles. And speaking of Psycho, he was in the remake of Psycho, Gus Van Zandt's remake. Oh, Vince really? Wong. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, the... Uh, oh, you know what? I'm For some reason, I'm thinking of the drummer who looks like Will Ferrell. But oh, no, yeah. Flea Chad does not... Smith. Yeah, Flea does not look like... Okay. Anyway, so final answer for you, or final question for you here, Rob, is Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill was in Jay and Silent. Mark Hamill was in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. With Kevin Smith, who directed Cop Out with Bruce Willis, who was in Die Hard Part Three with Samuel <laughs> L. Jackson. <laughs> no. Who was in Enough Iron with the Man. Samuel L. Jackson <laughs> in his Jeff little Bridges. post-credit <laughs> clip. <laughs> I have to get my poots oh. somehow, Jeremiah. Oh, damn you, Nick Fury. Okay. So I've gotten two poots, I think, over the course of this game. That is correct. And you've gotten how many? Three? I've gotten three, so I'm a point ahead of you so far. All right. The, the the one the, the connections that I had written down actually for Mark Hamill <laughs> it's funny that you ended up on Iron Man because it was uh, he was in Kingsman the Secret Service from 20, 20, 2014 um, that movie had Samuel L. Jackson in it also oh. <laughs> and so you know the rest okay from now on Samuel L. Jackson <laughs> cannot be used in Bruce <laughs> we're gonna have to make that real just to avoid Sam Jackson and, <laughs> yeah. and maybe also Iron Man yeah Oh man! All right. Um, so, what is the final tally for the game? What is the total tally? I should say. Oh, was that it? Yeah, that so, was it. Okay, that's three to two in my favor, which puts me and you in a tie. Oh my god! This has all been planned. We were intended to uh, meet at thirty-three points each. We have to. Pr- we have to plan something special for the tiebreaker. I agree. I don't know what it is. I mean, every episode is special. But. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, <laughs> something something special. Something real special. Yeah, something real nice. Something nice. All right, so this has been Real on Reels. If you would like to uh, find us, we're on Facebook and Twitter at Real on Reels. Um, we're, you can contact us on Gmail at uh, Real on Reels at, or no, I'm sorry, Real on Reels official at gmail.com i don't know who's at real on reels at gmail.com probably some fishing dude yeah it's like the other thing it could be yeah he loves reels and he's just super real on them you know we're in a very specialized economy rob yes we are jeremiah and that is it for us today that's tomorrow and that is it for us today i can't do it can't do what? We'll do it live. Oh, no, you're doing... We'll do it live! All right, this is quickly devolving, so I'm going to sign off. 
This has been Real on Rails, and we'll see you all next week.